You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. God responded, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. So obviously Samuel was only looking at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. And and you know, we live in an appearance-oriented society, don't we? And the, the way that we size up people. When you think about what makes a good leader or who should lead a particular group, what qualities do you look for? Perhaps you value someone who's outgoing, charismatic, and charming, so people will be drawn to them. Or maybe someone who sounds smart and looks impressive. But as Pastor Mike explains today, that isn't how God chooses leaders. He chooses unlikely individuals who have the right heart, someone who'll rely on Him as they lead, someone who will allow himself to be used by God in this world. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 as he begins his message, The Man God Chooses. the book of 1st Samuel once again and in the progression of that series now we've moved into chapter 16 we're going to begin by reading the first three verses of chapter 16 and this message the title is the man that God chooses and then we're going to be talking about those things whereby we either gain or lose God's approval so this is a very important message I mean because after all is there anything more wonderful than to be used of God is there I don't think so right And uh, so anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about. So anyway, with that said, let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to go through this entire chapter. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. Okay, let me set up this morning's message for you. The chapter before us here in chapter 16 has been described as a picture in contrast. 
the contrast is between a youth whose name is David, who we are about to be introduced to for the first time. He was considered the least in his father's house. In fact, he was considered insignificant to be invited to the feast with the venerated prophet of God, Samuel. That's mentioned here in our text. The contrast is between him, David, this youth, and a king, who is Saul, of course, the foremost man of the realm, who has now become inept in his leadership and has forfeited the right to rule his people. It is is as if God has put these two individuals alongside of one another for our careful examination. Now, why would that be so? Well, simply that we might learn from their successes as well as their failures. So on the one hand, we see David, the lad, dedicated to doing well, the most menial of tasks, and on the other, we have Saul, a monarch who failed to carry out the mandate that God had given to him as king over his people. And the dissimilarity is further accentuated when we perceive the young shepherd's stability and strong internal God-consciousness, and observe, on the other hand, the nation's leader repeatedly faltering because of his pride and self-will. And by the way, let me also add that David's stability that I just referred to, and whatever he put his hand to, was directly related to his God-consciousness. Because when we have that awareness of God, his hand being upon us, we have that confidence that God is with us and that all things are uh, possible. So there is a correlation between the two. That is the stability that any of us can possess and that internal God consciousness. Okay, so that sets up this Bible study for us. Now let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 1. God commanded Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king in Saul's place. And the prophet also noticed, according to our text, was still grieving for Saul, although they had already parted ways. Let's go back and rehearse what we've already talked about last time together. Let's quickly go back to chapter 15 just for a moment. And let's read verses 26 through 28 once again. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel because of Saul's disobedience. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Saul is desperate. He falls to his knees. He lunges out at Samuel's garment, holding on to it, and it rips apart. And so in verse 28, sort of like an object lesson, if you would. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours, who of course was David, who is better than you. And then jump down to the final verse of chapter 15, verse 35. And there we are told, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So what we have here is the parting of ways. That is Samuel from King Saul. You see, he knew how the king was hurting, but he still grieved for him, even if uh, uh, the matter that they parted ways. He knew 
the king was hurting, and therefore he grieved for Saul, how that he was emotionally tortured, as we will see as we continue to move through this book of the, of the Bible. He was hurting, and thus he mourned him. But more than anything else, I think that he was mourning because of the fact of his ineptness to actually lead God's people, Israel. He lacked the power to initiate anything decisive, and thus Israel was like sheep without a shepherd. And so anyway, God directed Samuel to go to the city of Bethlehem. And I bet you when God spoke to Samuel concerning how that he was going to anoint another in Saul's place, I bet you that Samuel was pretty excited. Notice God instructs Samuel and he says, fill your horn with oil. So it was time now to move on. God had a plan. And so anyway, Samuel heads towards the city of Bethlehem, that little village that was about six miles or so from the city of Jerusalem, 11 or 12 miles southeast of Ramah, where Samuel resided at this particular time. And there he was to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king over Israel. Now let's go back to our text. I want you to notice there in verse 2, although Samuel is pretty excited, right, about this new occupation of his, notice Samuel initially objected to this assignment. And why was that? Well, you see, to go to Bethlehem, Samuel would have to pass by Gibeah. And where did Saul reside at this time? It was there in Gibeah. And, of course, it would have been extremely hard for Samuel to travel incognito for someone of his status. Thus, it could be lights out for Samuel if the king received word of what was going on, that he was going to anoint someone else in his place. So this was a real threat, and that's the way that Samuel considered it. It was a real threat for the prophet. But you know what? This also gives us some insight into Saul's administration. You see, Saul was a very impassioned, very self-willed individual, and the people lived in fear of him. And so again, Samuel thought if he, the king ever found out what was uh, going to take place with him going down and anointing someone else in his place, you know, uh, Saul would have responded probably to kill Samuel. Because Saul at this time was really a loose cannon. And we're going to see this. I mean, he just deteriorates as we continue to move through this book of the, of the Bible. So truly, he was a loose cannon, particularly later on in the way that he dealt with David. Now, in verses 2 and 3, let's go back and let's read that one more time. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 16. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. That would have been, of course, David's dad. And I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one that I name to you. Now, this is really curious, these instructions that God had given to Samuel. Was God suggesting that Samuel lie or tell a half-truth to conceal his real intentions? I mean, in the 51st Psalm, for example, in verse 6, there we are told God desires truth in our inward parts. That is, he expects us to be honest with him and also in our dealing with other people. 
So how do we explain this? Well, one writer commenting on this said, and I quote, there is a vast difference between telling a lie and concealing information that others have forfeited a right to know because of their hostile attitude towards God and his moral standards. And who am I describing here? It's Saul, right? This would aptly describe what Saul had now become. Okay, let's go back to our text and let's continue. Let's read verses 4 and 5. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peacefully? And he said, Peacefully, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Okay, so what do we have here? Well, Samuel, reassured by what the Lord had told him, thus Samuel went to the city of Bethlehem. And notice as he approached the gate of the city, the elders came out to meet him. And notice their concern. It's recorded for us in verse 4. Go back there. They asked the question, Samuel, do you come in peace? Now, why did they ask that question? Well, remember what Samuel, who he was. He was a judge. And he was a judge commissioned by God, and he traveled from one place to another to mediate injustices that had taken place amongst his people. And so that question that they asked Samuel upon his arrival there in the city of Bethlehem indicated the fear that someone in the village was guilty of some offense. And thus Samuel had come to hold court and judge him. So that's what Samuel was all about. And that's what he did as a judge. And thus the question. Well, Samuel expresses his partial intentions. What does he say? Notice I said partial intentions. He doesn't mention that he had come down to anoint someone as the new king over Israel. He just simply says, I've come to sacrifice. And thus they began consecrating, as they were instructed to do by Samuel, they began to consecrate themselves in preparation for the coming feast. Now, what did that involve? Well, it probably involved them washing their clothes, bathing, anointing themselves with oil, readying themselves in heart and mind to worship God. And by the way, just let me, just let me pause here for a moment. You know, I, I think that this is the very way some of the things that we should do as we prepare to come and worship the Lord and study His Word here at Harvest, right? We need to prepare our heart and our mind to worship God. Because that just, you know, enables us to receive of the Lord. And, and I know it, sometimes it's really difficult. I mean, like for me, I got up this morning and uh, grabbed my cup of coffee, you know, took the shower and stuff, and then went into my living room, opened my Bible, just, you know, kind of went over my notes and stuff. And, and then when I was finished, I had another cup of coffee. And then I went upstairs, got my son Elijah, our special needs son, you know, together. I got him up. I had to change him. I had to feed him. And then I had to get in my car and take care of some other stuff that I needed to do before I walked out the door. Then I got in my car. I'm traveling here. You never know what you're going to hit when you're crossing the George Washington Bridge on my way down the west side to get here to our facility and stuff. And, you know, man, you know, my, my, by the time I, I walk into the facility, I'm, you know, my head is like swirling, right? And uh, I'm not always thinking about, 
you know, I'm going to worship the Lord. God, speak to me today. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes my heart isn't actually prepared. But I always take some time out as I'm driving in my car, coming down the Henry Hudson uh, Parkway to pray and ask God to just help me to make that adjustment and that transition, you know, to worship him. But nevertheless, I think that this is the, the way that we need to prepare uh, before we come into the, uh, the facility. Take that time out to do it. And I'm sure it's just as hectic for you, getting on public transportation and getting here, all of the other responsibilities that you need to take care of before you walk into the facility. But listen, make sure that those things are in place because they are very important. Now, if Jesse had not been with these elders that had come out from the city of Bethlehem, they're at the gate of the city, to meet Samuel, if he wasn't with the rest of these elders, Samuel would have asked directions to Jesse's home. And thus, he would have went there and then revealed to him, that is to Jesse, the reason why he had come to Bethlehem. And what was that reason? Well, in part, he didn't give him all of the particulars, but that one of his sons was going to be set apart for some special service unto God. Okay, let's pick up in our text once again. Let's read verses 6 through 10. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, that was one of Jesse's sons, he had eight in all, and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So notice Samuel's quick conclusion. This has got to be the king. This has got to be the new king. Well, let's read on here. But the Lord said to Samuel, and I don't know exactly how he spoke to him. Maybe in, a, in a, that still small voice, an impression within his heart. It's the same way that God often speaks to us. It's not an audible voice, but we know that God is speaking to us, right? Well, anyway, God responded. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. So obviously Samuel was only looking at his appearance or at his physical stature. Because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. And, and you know, we live in an appearance-oriented society, don't we? And the way that we size up people. And, and I have to be very careful about this myself, particularly in appointing people for different positions in ministry. I need to be very careful about this. But I've learned my lesson. Early on, I was usually guilty of this very thing. You know, for example, I'll be looking for someone to lead the men's ministry. Okay, so I would think to myself, well, who will the men look to as the leader of the ministry? Well, of course, it's someone that looks like a, you know, a Disney prince or whatever, bulging muscles, looks like a middle linebacker for the New York Giants or whatever. You know, someone that all of the men can look up to. But that's, that isn't necessarily the case because God looks upon the heart rather than the physical stature of a, a person. So i got to tell you something. Early on in my ministry, I've been at this a long time now, but early on in my ministry, I was really guilty of that. i found that the most unlikely characters are the, are the people that God chooses. It's amazing, right? And, uh, you know, when you consider Calvary Chapel Ministries as a whole and the people that God had chosen to lead the Calvary Chapel movement that began in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, you would have never chosen those individuals. Guys like Pastor Greg Laurie or Raul Reese or others, Mike McIntosh. You know, guys who were burnt out, man, right? And uh, Steve Mays, and who, who since have gone home to be with the Lord. 
He was like a member of a motorcycle gang. These old guys were on drugs, and their, their minds were like you know, blown out because of uh, their drug use and stuff. But nevertheless, God used them in very profound ways. Well, anyway, let's read on here. Then Jesse called the next son of Jesse in, a fellow who was named, notice in verse 8, Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah, that was the next son, pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons, when I give him the names of the other sons, pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, very interesting here, right? Okay, so picking up now here, and this, so this is the whole process that ensued in these sons of Jesse passing by. And so one by one, these sons were shown into the room where Samuel was waiting. He sizes each one up. He drew his own conclusions on the basis of external things, as I've already suggested. Notice there, according to verse 6, good looks, bulging muscles, the size of each one of them, their capacity and ability to articulate. But notice in verse 7, let's, let's rehearse that one more time because this is so very, very important. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as men sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. You see, God is more concerned with the internal reality of that God consciousness that I've already referred to, that the Holy Spirit develops within a yielded individual. And that's a process. That's a work of God's Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And I'm going to go through a list, and I want you to take special note of this list. Remember, this message is all about being used of God. The things that we allow or don't allow in our life that either allows us to be used of God or we forfeit the privilege of being used of God. And is there anything more special, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, than being used of God? So what are we talking about here? Well, that lowly sense of personal unworthiness. I think that's one of the chief characteristics of being used of God. Realizing, you know, God, why have you chosen me? I am an unworthy servant. And then the wondering and contemplation of God's divine love. You know, that God would love me. That God would pour out his love and blessing upon my life. The eager longing for mercy to pardon and grace to help. A faith that grasps the promises of the word. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. 
We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 